the things that that I I go back to is that uh, I manage by gossiping around, and so I will still contend that this is the best way to ultimately make a good decision. So if I have if I see a problem, I start talking to everybody about it and give me your input. Give me your what, what what's going on with you. So I'll, I may talk with a provider. I may talk with a coder. I may talk with a, uh, a medical assistant. I may talk with a manager. Um, where, where I think we get into trouble is when we only talk with the people who are like us. This is the Disrupted Podcast with Scott Middleton. Each week, Scott shares how he uses the leadership principle of disruption to keep his companies growing and moving in the right direction. Let's get started. Welcome to the Disrupted Podcast. My name is Jamie Preston, and once again, welcome Scott Middleton. Hey, how you doing, Jamie? Good, Scott. What's been going on in your world? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I think this is the most important thing that uh, that, that I want to talk about today is uh, is, is going to be related to healthcare. Yeah. Um, in in uh, we just uh, about a week or so ago got the. Uh, the beginning of what they call the final rule for how Centers for Medicare Services will um, adapt changes in regulations uh, for physician services. So every year, the uh, CMS writes up and put, produces a final rule, uh, and they and they actually start it earlier in the year. So like what they've done is in June, they roll out the first one, um, and then they adapt it based on comments that come in from the public and from various people, and then by the first of the year, they adapt it and it brings about changes. So, you know, changes in um, in payment structures or how things work within um, within the center. Well, this year, of course, has been one of the biggest challenges in, in healthcare as we've had a pandemic and we started looking at and, and utilizing telemedicine for so many things during the pandemic. And now the question is, what do we roll back? So right. the final rule for physician services last year was about 800 pages. This year, it's 1,700 pages. Holy smokes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm only about halfway through. And and <laughs> I scan through a lot of it that doesn't relate to me. So if it's like talking about hospitals, I'll jump to the next one. But there's still several hundred pages that I have to read. And sure. you have to really look in depth then is what do they mean? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, a couple of things that just have been of great significance uh, to, uh, to ch the change in telemedicine. One is, um, is talking about uh, what we call audio only. Mm -hmm. You know, in the state of South Carolina, we have a lot of places that do, that do not have good video capability. Sure. Um, now, now, while everybody may have access in a community to some form of Wi-Fi, um, most of our older adults don't have that. You right. know, they still have, they may have cable, but they don't use you know equipment that needs to have Wi-Fi, and they may use a cell phone. And we may be able to get cell phone service for voice. But when you try to bring video over that same cell phone line, so what if I, I've asked all our providers to do is let me know the zip code areas where you're not able to get access through our, um, you know, for, for 
well, for them, it's pulling up uh, their documentation, you know, in their computers, turning it on with a hotspot or using their, their cell phone. Mm-hmm. So while they may be able to talk, they may not be able to get that video capacity, which then restricts us with things like remote patient monitoring that does all of that through a Wi-Fi. Sure. Um, and using that tablet to do a telemedicine visit that would have audio video. So somehow in this country, we got our physicians more than anything who our doctors and who don't do a lot of telemedicine have got caught up in this of, well, I don't know how I can really make a good judgment of a patient unless I see them. You know, a year ago, they were still fighting the fact that I couldn't make a good decision unless I could touch them. Yeah. (laughs) And, and we learned during the pandemic that that was, was bull crap, you know, that we could actually make good decisions and we had better health care outcomes. So uh, there's this big push. Well, in South Carolina, the governor rescinded the emergency orders two weeks ago, which reverted us back to um, a lot of the the archaic regulations that had Mm. been passed for health care over the years. And so it started restricting what we could do with telemedicine. In fact, Blue Cross Blue Shield sent us a letter. I was just reading it before this call saying that they that they will not reimburse for telemedicine visits for certain things, basically audio only. Mm-hmm. They are not going to allow audio only anymore. So they cut off us being able to bill those patients um, for, uh, for, for those rural areas. Yeah. And so I think our politicians would be appalled that yeah. we are discriminating against people who are living in the rural areas. Sure. The, the other, yeah, the, uh, the other big concern with that is that in South Carolina, there's this rule that you can't write a pers- you can't write a narcotic prescription for pain man- management. You can't write unless you actually see the patient face to face. Wow. Um, yeah. So it, that's actually, I would say that's not a terrible thing. Like if I if I'm seeing if I'm a provider and seeing a patient on a regular basis, then I could write that I could have a a telemedicine visit and write it, except mm-hmm. that in South Carolina, nurse practitioners are not allowed to write the narcotic prescription except for a three-day supply sure. unless the person's palliative. So if we have a patient that needs to, if I, if then a doctor has to do it. Well, I can't afford to send a physician to cross South Carolina to do one visit with one patient to establish the relationship and write the narcotic prescription especially when that physician has an extender, a nurse practitioner, who is in cross every week seeing multiple patients. Right. So what happened was no one thought about this. That's Mm. the horrible part, that where was the medical board? Where was the board of nursing? Where was the people who were looking at what was changing in the course of healthcare over the last year that we needed to be ready for when the pandemic was gone and the emergency orders went away? Yeah, right. And, and I'm sickened by it. I'm just sickened by it. So we literally two weeks ago had overnight, we could not write prescriptions for people for their pain management. Wow. So the CMS final rule, which I'm getting, I'll circle back around to where I started. In the CMS's final rule, they spent two pages of 1700 talking about how this country has been such a disservice to people older adults who do have chronic conditions that require them to be in constant pain management. Mm -hmm. And they, and they literally said what they, and they said, we admit our fault to it. We, we created a, 
a scare uh, with the overutilization of narcotics and opioids to the point that primary care providers across the country now refuse to write them. And because they're refusing to write them, we have senior adults all over the country who have now started trying to relieve their pain. They have now, not because they're not able to get these narcotics, they can't find, like if you, right now, if I I call trying to get a pain management specialist, uh, who who would, somebody who would feel comfortable writing the pain meds, it would Mm -hmm. take me four to six weeks. Wow. Well, if all of a sudden I got cut off two weeks ago from the doctor who was writing my prescription through telemed, whose practitioner was seeing the person in person, I've now got four to six weeks. What am I going to do? Yeah, that's a long time to be in pain. I'm going to get drunk or use illegal drugs, or I'm going to borrow somebody else's. Yeah, exactly. Which is not what intended. And, and so we have created, we continue to create crisis after crisis because people are making decisions about a particular crisis and think, oh, wow, this is a great idea, not realizing all the outcomes. Nobody's looking at the end result and then backing itself down. Yeah. And, and healthcare has caught up in it, but our world has caught up in it. I mean, I, I see that even in our organization. You know, every day where somebody's going to make a rule and make a decision um, based on the facts they have in front of them, but they didn't spend any time digging around to see what would, what was going to be the other outcomes. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. One decision can, you know, it may be a good decision for one thing, but it's not for everything. And, and it's right. so sometimes it's it, you get a little tunnel vision and it's hard to see those things. Especially when you talk about a bureaucratic, bureaucratic organization that gets bogged down in everything. Right. Yeah. So um, yeah. So, so and and that's what's happened at insurance companies. So I'm like reading through this thing Blue Cross sent out. So they are not going to reimburse, and it said for services performed via telephonics, audio only consults that originates from a related E&M service within the previous seven days or leads to an E&M service from the pre- previous seven days. So, so I have a patient who calls me and says, uh, hey, I, I'm really in pain or this is what's going on. And I take the call as a physician and, and I say, hey, this is what you need to do. I'm going to order an x-ray. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then we're going to follow up with you in three or four days to see how you are. If I follow up within within the seven days, which you would think I would want you to, right? If I'm going to mm-hmm. order labs, should I not follow up with those labs? Sure. Then they're not going to pay me for that visit I just did. So I spent 20, 30 minutes with you, and now the now the insurance carrier is saying they're not going to pay for it. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, that, right. Because they're, they're going to roll that into the the time that I see them, you know, coming up. You know? Yeah. So it just doesn't make any any sense at all there's um and maybe there you know what they could there there could be something else maybe i can roll it into a prolonged visit or maybe i could take that time and add it to something else but they're just trying to complicate it and everybody's grabbing for their little dollar Mm -hmm. um and and they're looking they're looking away from uh the big picture yeah out out yeah because i mean at the end of the day it's the outcomes of the patient that matter um, not not everybody's little dollar, you know. And if those patients aren't seeing what what they need, I mean, that's devastating for somebody. 
Yeah, so uh, so as, as an example, I was talking to a guy in the gym, and um, he works for a company that does um, solar panel um, installations. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, it's, it was a new company. A uh, guy had been doing solar panels, went out on his own. And, and so he, he gets a loan, I guess, to start the company. He spends all of his money. He's got a beautiful office, you know, great, great uh, get, uh, uh, spaces, brand new desk he bought, you know, all this stuff. And then, and then what he realizes is that because he gets his first contract deal and gets the money up front uh, to go install the solar panels out there, and then he realizes, wow, uh, you know, I, I, I spent way too much money on this. You yeah. know, this job, I actually lost money on this job because I didn't bid it correctly. And so then, then now he's upside down. He goes to the next one, and then he's trying to figure out now how to, to like, well, we, we need to stop ordering so many bolts. And can we use, you know, one bolt instead of two in this case wow. <laughs> because he's micromanage the numbers you know down there because he basically didn't bid the project out you know right in the first place and yeah. so but sometimes we have to we we so short-sighted in in things and then we think wow i can do this and then i can't mm-hmm. um and so i think that's what's happening in this world is that has somebody really thought about this at blue cross blue shield that i'm going to refuse to take the patient's call now and so what happens is because I think I'm not going to get paid for it, I refuse the, the call. So, so like now, most doctor's offices, and that's the way it was before, are reverting back to instead of you calling and I have a telemedicine visit with you, I just have an answering machine that says, if this is emergency, call 911. Yeah. So guess what? They're going to call 911. Yep. And, and when they call 911, now Blue Cross Blue Shield is paying for an ambulance drive, an emergency room visit, mm-hmm. a hospitalization, and multiple tests. I, I don't – I guess maybe they're making decisions in an in a insurance company, but they don't provide services, so they don't know yeah. how it really works. <laughs> right. Um, so, so tell me this, Scott. You know, when you're making decisions for your companies, you know – where one decision can affect a slew of other decisions, what's the, how do you come at that? You know, like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So one of the things that, that I, I'll go back to is that, uh, I manage by gossiping around. Mm. And so I will still contend that this is the best way to ultimately make a good decision. So if I have, if I see a problem, I start talking to everybody about it and give me your input. Give me your what, what what's going on with you. So I'll, I may talk with a provider. I may talk with a coder. I may talk with a, uh, a medical assistant. I may talk with a manager. Yeah. Um, where, where I think we get into trouble is when we only talk with the people who are like us. Yeah. So when everybody in the C-suite gets together and, and says, well, let's go talk about this without having those conversations with the people that are impacted regularly. So yeah. I encourage my staff, um, you know, to talk to those folks, you know, yeah. pick up the phone provider and see what's happening with them and then helping to make, you know, a better decision um, related to it. And then the only thing I've not been good at is creating what the expectations are. Yeah. And, uh, and so like this morning, we were on a telephone call and, 
we obviously have a crisis of sort with um, getting our claims uh, closed out and sent to be billed. Right. And even if we do that, our issue is that once they go out, are they being processed at the highest level of, of the code uh, in order to get the highest reimbursement rate? Right. If you go back and look at uh, the, the problem is we're not getting things closed out, then what was happening is the coders are saying, I can't bill it until the provider closes and hits the three green buttons. And the providers are going, I didn't know I needed to hit the green button, or they're going, well, gosh, am I really ready to close this out? Let me think about it a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, which is even worse, <laughs> yeah. you know, because they're so worried about, did I put all the documentation in to, to, to get the highest and maximum code? Maybe I need to go back and look at it. We had one provider, who does most of her stuff through dictation, and then she goes through and just kind of clicks the boxes later, you know, but everything is dictated, so everything she needs to know are in the notes, but what the coders were missing was at the end of the day, what was her medical decision related to all that stuff? Well, Sherry made a medical decision, she wrote a prescription, we saw that, but she didn't state that in her record. Hmm. So, but, but it was. I, I, she analyzed this person and then wrote this prescription. She made a medical decision. Right. But the computer is saying, I need you to say what the medical decision is. Yeah. So, so what I realized is that somehow there's, and so then the coder downcodes that, you know, to a lower visit code, even right. though Sherry did everything she needed to do. So, and it was obvious, you know, in the notes. So, um, so what we, we realized is that here's what we're, we need to hire right now in an organization 10 more coders. Mm. And those coders need to be sitting next to and working with in, within the region, right? Yeah. With the regional schedulers and the regional vice presidents of, you know, operations. Mm -hmm. and, and they need there and they need to be making sure that every provider is maximizing but they don't need to be the one that is just pushing the claim or evaluating the claim they need to be the leader the teacher and the one that's holding everybody accountable for it right so we've been gossiping this around now for about two months because we knew there was a problem we just couldn't figure out what the solution was mm -hmm. and so everybody's been talking about it and it's really been good because our coders and our nurses and our nurse practitioners now have been talking to each other more we actually have created a program now every thursday we have an all-day training program uh, that for providers that to really understand how to document appropriately and hit yeah. the right code. So the coders are teaching them that. But again, that's maybe, you know, five or 10 people at a time. It's going to take us two years to get everybody through this course. Right. And so we realized we got to do something faster. So the decision today was hire 10 more coders and we're going to take our best coders and put them out there on the regions. They're going to be the education, the training, and also the person validating what needs to take place. Hmm. And they're going to be the ones pushing that through uh, everybody. Because half of what we found out, you know, is that half of what needs to be done can be done by a medical assistant or a nurse, not the provider themselves. Yeah. So, uh, wow. so, but then, so that's normally how I did business. But then I realized what's the expectation. So we're going to hire 10 more coders. It's going to cost us our company $60,000 a month. Mm. Wow. So how do I pay for $60,000 more a month 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and the only way I can do that is by changing the, the, uh, the codes. We have to build a higher code sure. in, in order to get a higher reimbursement. So right now we do 40,000 visits a month. So that means that we have to increase our average charge per, per visit by a dollar and a half, one dollar and a half um, in order to pay for itself. Okay. Right. Every, every, every coat. So I asked them today, I said, okay, tell me, uh, what do you think our average charge per visit would be if every provider were coding correctly? Mm-hmm. If, the, if every, if every visit we had was coded correctly, right? they said it, it would probably go up 10. Ten dollars. Wow, which is huge. Minus one fifty. Yeah, is more than fifty cents more in profit, right? Mm-hmm. Now that's in well eight fifty times eighty percent because we we bill higher, so that's six dollars and eighty cents, and we only collect about seventy eight percent of all of that. Yeah, you know, so it, yeah, so uh, so five five dollars and thirty cents though times right. forty thousand yeah. is two hundred and twenty thousand dollars in additional profit yeah wow yeah you could hire a lot more coders for that <laughs> exactly so well that's actually after i paid for the coders so yeah the thing is i can pay for the coders and make two hundred thousand dollars more a month yeah I, I, whether we will or not you know will i get ten dollars my point is if i get a dollar and a half but i had to leave the expectation with them so the expectation is if we do this and and we hire these coders in the next six months we are going to increase our average charge per visit by ten dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's their goal. And if they if they aren't, then maybe we didn't need all these coders. Right. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. When when you're making decisions, Scott, how much of those? What percentage of those decisions is you're reacting to another decision that say, you know, Medicare or some other insurance organization is you know dictating, and then how many of those decisions are stuff that you're creating yourself? What's the ratio? <laughs> so complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably didn't phrase that perfectly. You know, how much, how much of the time are you reacting to a decision that's been made for you, and having to make those decisions, or are you creating it for yourself? Say, like the coders. Exactly. I, I, I would say that ninety percent of the time I am creating it, and, gotcha. and and the reason the reason is you have to look at it is you have to look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. So you always have to go back, and if you're looking at the numbers, then you're deciding there. You want to be proactive. I mean, I am I am determined not only proactive medicine, proactive business, but mm-hmm. you want to always be out in front yeah. um, you know, uh, of what that is. So um, we, we had a little incident at, the, at one of our restaurants yesterday, and, and, um, and, and so somebody came to me and said, hey, I just want you to be aware of what's going on. And so their immediate reaction, it was just a disruption, you know, a little fight or something, mm-hmm. and, you know, with people. And so their, their first immediate reaction is that we're going to hire security. So yeah. we have to have big, big guys, you know, out mm-hmm. there to protect with this thing. And, and my thing is, wait a minute stop you know mm-hmm. because before you start just reacting to that let's go back to the root of the cause of the problem yeah and so um, there were several things that i had been asking the staff to do over the last few weeks that would have i think prevented a lot of what went on mm. um, but they didn't do it 
So they avoided doing these little things, and then they and they don't see the correlation, yeah. you know, with that. Um, you know, for example, you're, you're, it, this happened at 10:30 at night. Well, guess what? If all if all of our managers aren't there at 10:30, you know, we we open up at 11 o'clock in the morning, and our managers work a 12-hour day plus taking breaks. So they should be able to come in at 10 o'clock in the morning. That means they don't leave till midnight. So when we have a manager who's already left at 10:30 then that person cut out on us yeah. and was available for when the issue, you know, had occurred. Mm-hmm. So, so one, the management should be there and the manager should be walking around monitoring, looking at what's going on. Sure. Um, they didn't have the doors uh, properly secured. So the, they, uh, they allowed every door in the building to be opened up um, and people coming in and out instead of restricting people at that time of night from walking in and out of, you know, the main door. Uh, would have been. Um, I don't think that we have um, maybe the the managers aren't proactive enough. So when they mm. start to see something going ahead, going on, they automatically go ahead and start to address that, which would be first thing for me would be call the yellow shirts, which is the security team that we have in the area. Sure. Yellow shirts can get the police here a lot quicker than we do. Mm-hmm. But I have heard them over and over again saying, well, the yellow shirts don't have guns, so they can't do anything. Right. <laughs> well, you know, Neither do any of the police officers in Switzerland. Yeah, exactly. Or England. Yeah, or, uh, yeah. A lot of those places yeah, in Europe. They yeah, they 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 don't have guns, you know. Yeah. And so just uh, you know, so trying to get people to go back and look at well, instead of let's knee jerk react to what went on, mm. let us look at how could we have prevented this. Yeah. Right. Um, I was by our, our restaurant the other day and there's a big sign that says no conceivable weapons yeah i had asked the team a few weeks ago to put um put out there a sign that says no weapons and the reason i did that is because we just passed a law in south carolina allowing open carry mm-hmm. and so unless you specifically say no weapons then you can bring a gun into the restaurant right well um so the 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 instead of just going ahead and putting the no weapons sign up they went out to research legally what they had to do because here's the thing is that it, that there, the, with the regulation, in order to prevent someone, and that means to be able to arrest someone yeah. that breaks a gun into your, into your restaurant, then you have to have the, it, there's certain verbiage. Mm-hmm. So the verbiage had not been updated with the law. Yeah. It's now been updated. But my point was this. I'm not so worried about having to arrest the person who carries right. the gun into yeah. it. I just want people to know that we don't allow them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I, I wasn't more as much, much concerned about the law of it as I just want people to know, don't bring guns in. So when I see somebody coming in with a with six shooter, like, you know, in the right. old West, <laughs> they're, you know, they're walking in, I want to be able to say, sir, we don't allow weapons. We need to ask you to leave. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so sometimes we get so caught up in then that, you know, we've got to go from, you know, zero to 100 mm-hmm. when we really just need to go from zero to 10. Yeah, um, and find the real to... root of the problem, not the <laughs> symptom of the problem. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's so, so good. Um, yeah, so I think, um, yeah, so I think if you're really a true disruptor, your thing is 
is that you are just not waiting for a problem to happen. And, mm -hmm. and if a problem happens, then you have to go back and look at what proactively we could have done to have prevented this. Sure. And, and just having the, you know, like uh, when, when my crowd said, I want a security guard, I said, okay. That you, a few weeks ago, I said, let's, let's put a security guard in there. Well, yeah. what if the security guard's in the bathroom? What if the security guard's somewhere else? It, it doesn't, it didn't help. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it, yeah, so it really didn't make an, uh, make an impact that somehow we have a, have a, you know, big muscly guy standing out the door that people are going to behave themselves. Yeah. Um, yep. More. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't always yeah. solve the problem. That's for sure. Well, but you know, one thing that does solve the problem a lot is is cameras and mm. and the uh, and the, not just that you have them, but that people can see them. Yeah, and you only have to pay and for those you, cameras once. Exactly. <laughs> people know. Like I, I had somebody getting ready to install cameras one time, and they were going to install them so nobody could see them. And I said, No, I want people to see them. Yeah, and, absolutely. And there was one, well, then they'll know they're being recorded. And I went, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's the point. So if I, I just make cameras big. Remember the old um, the old uh, video? Mm -hmm. Like I had when my kids were born. It was a video recording system. And yeah. the thing was so big, I had to put it up on my shoulder. My oh, wife yeah. could because it was too big for her. <laughs> yeah, that's what you need. Scott, there's so, there's so many, so many great leadership principles in this. Um, I love it. I love it. So, uh, I know. so uh, anyway, my, I guess the, the, the word of the week is, um, you know, everybody else is going to create enough problems for you, like CMS yeah. or Blue Cross Blue Shield or mm -hmm. the politicians out there. They're going to create enough problems uh, for you. So, yeah, you have to jump on those pretty quick and, and start to figure out how you're going to react and respond. But the other side of it is look at the numbers, mm -hmm. look at the facts and the figures of whatever you're doing. Yeah. You've got to have um, a scoreboard. Yeah. And, and then create it and then also be, be willing to follow whatever your decision is. You have to follow it all the way through to the end to see how it's going to impact mm -hmm. uh, every single person before you institute it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing you said earlier is just kind of having that expectation and holding people accountable to that expectation. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At, yeah. At the end of the day, if you don't have here, here's the end result of what it's going to look like. Absolutely. Then you got to change it. Sure. Right. Awesome. Scott, thanks so much. We appreciate your time. All right. Have a good day. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Disruptive Podcast with Scott Middleton. Follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at the Disruptive Podcast. You can also help us out by giving us a five-star rating. Thanks for listening.